This is an exciting time. Some of you can remember when you were graduating high school. If your memory, memory serves you that correct, right? Uh, but this is an exciting time embarking on a new adventure. And today I want to share a message with, um, uh, really to the graduates, uh, but this really hits us all because it's going to be a refresher course on where some of us may have been and, and need to come back to and, and think about. And so what I want to share with us today or share with you today is uh, some questions that I want us all to ask ourselves, especially, you know, the graduates. You guys are embarking on this new adventure. Uh, this, is a, this is a really... Um, critical time within your life where you're making some pretty, um, some pretty big decisions that's going to have implications uh, throughout your life. And so some of us have been raised in the faith. Some of you, hopefully all of you have been raised in the faith. But the question is going to be this, will you make it yours? Will it continue to be yours? Will it be something that you embrace and say, you know what, this is how I was raised, but as I go out into life now, as I go and start facing some new, uh, some, some, a new environment, one that may question what I believe, a new environment that may even uh, either support it or maybe even uh, detract from it, what is it that I'm going to do? Am I going to make this my faith? And so um, this morning, I want you to ask some, I want you to think about some questions. Those of you that um, are a little bit older and are on this journey together, this, we're on this, this uh, spiritual journey together, here's some questions I want you to think about as well. But before I ask the questions, I want to share this with you. Uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about in Matthew chapter 15 about Jesus looking to Peter and asking him who the people said that he was. And Peter answered that question and said, well, some say that you're a prophet, some say that you're uh, this, that, and the other. And then Jesus looks at Peter and says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, uh, you're, you're the Messiah. You are the Christ. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Peter, because this isn't some realization that you came to on your own. This isn't something that you just, said, that you just uh, uh, were, was able to put two and two together and, think, and, and come to that conclusion. But this is a spiritual activity that's happening within your life that is caused by the Father. And only those that, I mean, uh, you know, as he, as, as he went on to say, he said, God, you know, the Father has revealed this to you. And so Jesus would go on to say, based upon that realization, I am building my church. I will build my church with the individuals that the Father has, has revealed this to them, and they've accepted that, and they choose to follow that way. So, guys, this is what it is for us today. God is building His family. God, right now, the Father is building His family. Jesus is building His church right now. And He's building it upon the lives of the individuals that's not afraid to trust Him completely. He's building it upon the lives of individuals that say, Jesus is the Messiah, you are the Messiah, and I'm going to follow you implicitly, and I'm going to trust you with everything I have. My life is yours. And upon that type of, that type of activity within our lives, that type of decision, that type of humility and surrender and contriteness, Jesus is saying, I am building my church. I am building a, a family. And God blesses, Jesus blesses those who are not afraid to trust him completely. This is significant. This is huge stuff. This is stuff that sometimes we take very lightly. And I just want to say for those of you that are graduating, you are at a precipice in your life where you're going to be facing a decision that says, will I base my life on what I know, uh, hopefully what you know through the scriptures? Will I base my life on trusting Jesus completely and implicitly? Will I allow him to provide direction? Will I allow his word to guide my decisions that I make in life? Will I allow that to happen, or am I going to trust on my own knowledge? Am I going to trust on my own desires, my own dreams, and things like that? And so, 
Here's the kicker, though. When we live in harmony with God, when we allow God to, when we trust Him completely, and God begins to bless us in that respect where we're not afraid to trust Him completely, it produces this enormous power within our lives. It produces this enormous power that our faith becomes extremely strong. So, with that being said, I want to throw out some questions for you. And these are for the graduates, but they're also for us in here this morning that have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe these are some questions that you need to revisit uh, today. And it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter how young you are, these are some questions that I think we need to revisit from time to time to take a little spiritual gauge of where we're at, have a little spiritual introspection of where we are. So the first one is this, and and again, I want to address the seniors, but but the rest of us as well. Uh, The first one is this. Will I believe and choose God's dream for my life? That's the first question. Will I believe and will I choose God's dream for my life? Now, we've talked about these dreams, these visions, this passion, things like that that God places with inside of us. We've talked a lot about that here at Element. But it's discovering and living out our God-created identity is what it is. It's saying, am I going to live my life for what makes me happy? Am I going to pursue my dreams, my passions, my, uh, the things that I think is going to bring fulfillment? Or am I going to discover my God-created identity and believe and choose that God-created identity, uh, allow Him to, to, to make that a reality within my life? It's a, there's a huge difference. For some of us, we will say, well, I believe in Jesus and I'm following after Him, but... I'm doing it on my terms. You know, as long as it coincides, as long as Jesus coincides with what I want to do in and through life, then everything's going to be okay. I don't know about you, but living uh, on this journey, I've never had that opportunity where Jesus comes to me and says, hey, what's your plan so I can bless those plans? It's always been different. It's always been Jesus coming to me and saying, hey, you know what, Gail? You need to make some tweaks here because you're starting to live your life based upon the things that you want, the things that you think is going to bring happiness and fulfillment and contentment. And, 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 and they, they're never the things that produce that. But, but, but it goes back down to this question, will I believe and choose God's dream for my life? Some of you are sitting here this morning, you're a little bit older, and truth be known, if you would revisit this question, it takes you back to a time where you had this intimate conversation with God and you were excited because God breathed into your life this, this exciting vision, this exciting dream for you, this exciting calling for you, and, yet, and you were there and you're like, yes, let's go after this. But as years kind of begin to ebb by, you've kind of gotten away from that, and there's various factors of why you have, but, but you begin, you've kind of gotten away from that. And now the dream that's, if you would really, be honest with yourself, the dream that you're pursuing is not the dream really that God has for your life, but it's, it's, it's your dream, if we be honest. Or it may be this hybrid dream where we say, well, part of this is God's and part of it's mine, you know? And it's never, you know, you never just fully just went all after it. This is a huge question. Will I pursue, will I believe and choose God's dream for my life? Here's the other question that falls into this. If you could attempt anything for God and wouldn't fail at it, what would you do? I mean, ask yourself that question. If I knew that I wouldn't fail, what would I, what would I really attempt to do for God? If I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I would not fail, what is it that I would do in my life? What is the, what is the attempt that I would do within my life? Listen to what Ephesians 3.20 says, though. Paul says this. He says, God by, his mighty, or God, by his mighty power at work within us, is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. God says, hey, you know what? 
that little dream that you have within your life that really centers around you, that pursuit that you're going after in life, let me tell you something. If you dream a little bit, I can blow that thing completely out of the water. That has nothing compared to what I want to do in and through your life. And look what Paul says. Paul says, if you dare to ask, if you do, in that passage of Scripture, God, by His mighty power at work within us, is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask. I think people that are committing to God, that have that humility and contrite spirit where they're saying, God, this life is yours and I'm going after it, man. You know, God, I, whatever, wherever you lead me, that's where I'm going. I want you to breathe into me the dream that you have for me. Those, those are the dreamers. Those are the individuals that begins to ask God, God, what is that dream? What is it that you really want to accomplish through me? And guys, when you open yourself up to that with God, that's when God's ready to show you some things, is ready to show you an exciting ride in life. And I think of our seniors. I think of you guys graduated, man. I, I look back on my life, and I wish I could say that I answered this question properly within my life. I didn't. There were things that I did. When I look back, I'm thinking, holy cow, I could have saved myself so much some trials. I could have saved myself some problems. And I get how that shaped who I am today. But when I look back, who knows what, where God might have taken me, you know, even, you know, back at that particular point in time, if I would have stood and said, you know what, I believe that God has a vision for my life, a calling for my life, and I'm going to pursue that regardless of anything within my life. And I'm going to ask Him. I'm going to allow myself to be caught up in Him. I'm going to allow myself to be guided and directed completely by Him, by this by this dream that he has for my life. By the way, when, we say, when I say God's dream for our lives, I get that that's kind of, it, it, it sounds kind of odd, doesn't it? You know, God's dream, as if God dreams. or You know, that's not, it's more, you know, God, what, this activity that God wants to do in and through our lives. So, you know, when you, using that word dream, what does that really mean? What is a dream? What is it that I've dreamed of doing? You know, those types of things. But when we allow God to, when we allow God to place His desires within our lives, it's amazing where He wants to take us, and it's amazing the things that we see, the spiritual activity that we see in our lives. We see things happen that we can never look at and say, I produced that. I mean, it's impossible for, for those things to take place within our lives. And here's the issue. God blesses those who, who dare to ask. God blesses those who say, God, what is the dream that you have for my life? God blesses, and this sounds weird, but God blesses the socks off of that. Doesn't it sound weird? I don't know how else to say it. But God absolutely just blesses that type of activity within our lives. People who ask, God, what is it that you want in my life? God, would you help me? God, this is, my, this is your life. I want you to take it, and I want you to live in and through me. By the way, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. And I wonder what would happen if we stood at the precipice of this and said, God, what is it that you want for my life? Now, the other side of this is some of us, as I said before, uh, we, were, we were maybe at this point years ago. I want to I say this. It's never too late. It's never too late to, to go to God and say, God, that dream that you planted within my, within my heart so many years ago, and I've kind of turned cold to it. God, would you rekindle that? God, that dream that's still there, I know that it's still there. I don't want to live my life and asking myself the question, what if? God, I want you to rekindle that, and I want to pursue this with everything that I have. And you begin to ask God. You dare to ask God. The second thing is this. The second question to ask is this. Will I believe in God's promises? Will I truly believe in God's promises? Because the Word of God tells us nothing is impossible with God. The Word of God tells us, claims that nothing is impossible with God. He says that with man... Things are definitely, can definitely be impossible, with, but with God, 
All things are absolutely impossible. And, and it should motivate us to pray more, to believe more, to trust more, to experience more of Him, to learn more, to grow more in our walk with Him. That's how we grow because when we begin to see as our dream is impossible, we continue to go after it, but God makes it a reality within our lives. That's when faith really kicks in and faith works and we, begins, we begin to see the impossible take place. And so... One of Satan's favorite words that he can throw at, or phrases that he can throw at you is this. You can't do it. When you stand at the precipice and you begin to ask yourself these questions, will I believe, will I choose to follow hard after God and allow my life to be, to be in the hands that's completely surrendered into the hands of God, wherever he wants to direct, wherever he wants to go, whatever passions and desires, I'm going after those. Will I believe God's promises? One of the first things that's going to happen is the enemy's going to come into your life and he's going to say, you can't do this dream. You can't do what you're embarking on. You can't do this journey. Part of it's true, right? We can't because it's, if it's of God, we can't do it on our own. But if it's of God, all things are possible. But the enemy comes in, he starts his doubt, he starts his discouragement. You can't do these things. But guys, I mean, very simply put, when we hear those words, we know that that is not from the, that's not a spirit of God. It is not from God. It is the enemy trying to distract. It's the enemy trying to discourage. It's the enemy trying to bring you to defeat so that you can live your life in a good old-fashioned state of mediocrity. And that's exciting, isn't it? I mean, what if we would preach a message to these students saying, hey, really follow hard after Christ because you can live a life of mediocrity. That's exciting, isn't it? Who wants that? I don't want that. But for some of us, we live in that. Because we've heard the words, you can't do that. And we've heard him beat into us over and over and over and over and over again. And instead of looking to God, instead of finding our worth in God, instead of like looking to him and saying, God, my life is yours. I understand that nothing is impossible with you. Instead of doing that, a lot of times we will listen to those words and we get, we get off track. And, and it's not like we deny God, but we just get off track enough to where our journeys become stale. They become, eh, they're not that exciting. Because we bought in to a lie. You can't do that. Guys, the size, of, you've heard this before, but the size of your dream is the size, the, the size of your God should determine the size of your goal, the size of your dream. You haven't really believed God until you've attempted something that can't be done in the power of the flesh. And when you read, that's, you know, for me, when, when, when I sit down and look at the Word of God as a letter, as a love letter from God, and take that perspective and see that there are men and women in the Word of God, there, it's full of stories where people have stepped up to what God wants to do in and through their lives that is absolutely impossible, but yet God does it. it absolute, I think it is so exciting, so adventurous. And I think at times, as I've always said, one of my soapboxes is I think we take the Bible and we glamorize it like, wow, that was a good story. That was something really cool for them. And it's like, these guys face the same thing that you and I face on a daily basis. I mean, they had their issues. They had all those things that we read about them, but... The, the difference is they were willing to choose, they were willing to believe, and they were willing to stand on God's promises. The next thing I want to share with you, four things. The third thing is this. Faith is being willing to risk failure. The Bible says in Acts 15 
that they risk their lives for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts, what it's talking about, it's talking about the church. It's talking about the early church after Jesus uh, resurrected and after he went, he went back into heaven and, uh, in the presence of his Father. Um, the early church begins to form. And, and remember, while Jesus was here on earth, he said, when I leave, I'm going to send you the Comforter, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit to be with you. And he went on to say that you're going to be able to do things that even I can't do, greater things than me. Now, that's a, that's a passage of Scripture that's hard to swallow, isn't it? Jesus says that to his followers. In Acts 15, we read about the author says that these people risk their lives for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that's one of the reasons why God blessed them. The, you know, so the question is, have we ever taken any risks for Jesus? Have you ever taken any risks for Jesus? When you look at your spiritual life, when you look at your, your relationship with God, is it an intimate relationship where you're saying, you know what? My life is His, and I'm willing to take this. Have you ever risked anything for God? I mean, when's the last time that you said, this, I've risked it. It may not be your physical life. Maybe it was. I don't know. But is there a place where you can look and you can say, you know what? I've risked, this is what I risked. I think of a story, talking about stories, I think of the story, and if you've been in church for a while, it's one of these, it's a kid's story that we learned, but Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you remember that whole story, the nation of Israel uh, gets, uh, uh, gets really, gets uh, uh, in, in trouble with God. God warns them, tells them, he says, look, if you don't turn from serving idols, this is what's going to happen. And, and sure enough, that's what happened. The nation became uh, overtaken by a couple other nations. And it talks about, remember, the nation of Israel was 12 tribes. Ten of those tribes went to the north. Two of them went to the south. Well, the north tribes, they got overtaken by, a couple, by Nebuchadnezzar. Remember that whole story? And Daniel, he goes out in one of the first waves. And Daniel and his friends are over, over in Babylon. And they're supposed to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar. Remember that? They build this statue and they're, they're saying, you got to bow down. And Daniel says, what? No, we're not doing that. In fact, they even said that Daniel couldn't pray and all that kind of stuff. And we read about Daniel praying like three times a day, going out on his rooftop and praying. And just really, you know, praying to God and seeking God. And he's, he's, defined, he's saying, you know what, I, I'll risk my life for God because that's who I am. I can't do anything but that. And he's willing to take that risk. And his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do the same thing to the point where they're thrown in this fiery furnace in which God spares their lives. But I think about that story and I'm like, these guys were committed to the choice that they made. These guys said, we choose, I will choose, kind of like that whole Joshua statement. This day, for me and my household, we are choosing to follow the Lord. And if that means that my life is going to be put at risk at times, so be it. That's a, that's a pretty strong decision to make, isn't it? That's a pretty strong, and guys, when we read the Gospels, I believe that is the decision that Jesus is asking each of us to make if we place our faith and trust in him. It's not this little fancy courtship dating thing that we got going on with Jesus. What Jesus is asking is, it's all or none. I'm asking you to give me your full life. I'm asking you to fully believe. I'm asking you to fully commit, fully surrender your life to me. And at times you may have to risk your life, but are you willing to do that? But Satan's one of Satan's favorite tools if it's, I can't do that. Another one is this, the fear of failure. The risk of failure, the fear of failure, the fear of human opinion can disable us. What will other people think? You know, we may not, our, you know, it's, it's really interesting. We talk about, uh, well, I'd be willing to risk failure or my life or anything like that. I think sometimes our lives, physical lives, would be easier to risk than the opinion of somebody else. That's crazy. 
Especially when, it ta- when the Word of God teaches so strongly on that. The fear of human opinion completely disables. What will other people think? If it doesn't work out, well, I look really foolish. Well, what will happen if it doesn't? You know, I'm going to look dumb. I'm going to be rejected. In the King James Version, it says this. The fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. When we get caught up in that mode of thinking... The Word of God tells us that it is a snare of the enemy, that it is a trap. And the moment we start worrying about what other people think, we're, we're literally dead in the water. You know, it's, it's like we're on... We, we, you, the issue is this, you cannot serve God and be constantly worried about what other people think. So we've got to move forward. The moment you start worrying about others, it's over. One of the ways that we can deal with that is redefine failure. As you guys know, and I've shared with you before, I absolutely hate this word. I despise this word because to me, when we use that, it's so final. Well, we failed. What does that mean, we failed? Do we just like curl up and just lay around and do nothing now? I mean, what, I don't understand what that means when we say we have failed. It's so derogatory, right? What, is it, what does it mean? I think we need to redefine. What is failure? Fail, failure is really not trying, right? Failure to me is when, you, it's when you're not trying. It's failing to try. That to me is what, if we would use that word, that's what that means. And the other thing that we can do to get rid of the word, or to get rid of this whole concept of fear of failure is redefine it. And the other one would be stop comparing ourselves with other people. Isn't that just a curse? We're always comparing ourselves with other people. We compare our churches with other churches. We compare ourselves with other people. We compare our hairstyles, our clothes, our lawns, our neighbors, our cars, our homes. I mean, let's face it, guys. That's the stuff that we do. We see things like that, and we begin to compare. And I think one of the things that can really kill us in this whole concept, especially as a senior graduating coming out, you look at these other people and you hear them say, well, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. And you think about it and you're like, wow, I'm just going to be doing this. If just doing this is what God is calling you to, calling you, to do, you are 100% in the opposite direction of failing. I mean, you're going to be successful because that is where God is taking you and leading you and not comparing, you know, not comparing uh, ourselves with other individuals. There's always someone that can do something differently or better or whatever per se. But listen to what Paul says in Galatians 6.4. He says, each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. Now, in that, that word pride can be a little dicey, right? But I believe there's two different types of prides. Good pride and bad pride, obviously. Good pride is when we, we commit to God, we commit our lives to Him, we surrender ourselves implicitly to Him, and He is, and he is doing things within our lives that we look at and we're like, wow, how is this stuff taking place? This supernatural activity, you know, like when Jesus said, we're going to be able to do things that's, that's, that's even more than He could have done. When we start doing and seeing the work of the Holy Spirit within our lives, we look at that, and that's something we can take good pride in, where we can say, this is what God is doing in and through me. This is what God has done because of my humility, because of my surrenderedness to you, to God. This is what he's able to do. Bad pride saying, look what I've done. Out of my strengths, out of my knowledge, out of my intellect, out of my um, eloquence, all this other stuff, look what I've accomplished. That's, that's different. That's good pride and versus bad pride. But it comes down to willing to risk failure. Will we be willing to risk failure? And then the last one that I want to share with you here, uh, before we close out with another uh, song of worship here, is faith is expecting God to bless and to use me. 
Paul expected God to bless him. In fact, in Philippians, he says this, I expect and hope that I will not fail in Christ in anything, but that I will have the courage now to show the greatness of Christ in my life here on earth, whether I live or die. Paul says, I expect God to bless me. So didn't David. David said, I believe I shall enjoy the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. If we go through the Bible, we'll find that everybody God uses, it's because they expected to be used. They committed their life to God. They committed their life to this faith. They committed to their life to this journey. And they said, God, if that's what you want to do, if this is what you want to do in and through my life, so be it. I'm willing to allow that to take place. And as they did that, they expected that God was going to use them because that's exactly what God said he was going to do. And it's not because of who they were, but it was because of who Jesus is. They trusted, they followed, they allowed God to, uh, to, again, to just have complete authority within their lives. And consequently, they they were blessed through that and used by God through that. I want to close by reading a passage uh, that I ran across this week. Um, Someone talking about this whole concept of enthusiasm and, and being excited about the dream that God has placed within their lives. Where does enthusiasm come from? The Greek word in theos means to be in God. And when I say in theos, it means en. In theos means to be in God. In means in, I in, and theos means theology or God, right? Theology is the study of God. Theodore means lover of God. And the feminine of it, Dorothy. Both of those names means mean lover of God. So in theos means to be in God. And when you get in God, you're going to be enthusiastic. Does that make sense? It's not this psychological self-help, rah-rah rally type thing, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It means when I am in Theos, I am literally in God. God's in me. I'm in God. And I get really enthusiastic and excited. Now think about it. In Theos. I wonder how many of us, when we go out into our world, people look at our lives and say, there's something different about that person. That person is excited. That person is, of course, they may not know the entheos, but they're excited. I think sometimes we, as, 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 and I think it's a way to take a, take a spiritual look, take a spiritual gauge of where we're at. When we walk around all depressed as Christians, something's off. I mean, I get that we have problems. I get that we're human. I get that at times that, that we become depressed and discouraged and things like that from time to time. I get that. But for, for, for some, it can almost be a characteristic where it's like we're like walking Eeyores around. You know, it's like, woe is me. I don't like anything. Instead of this excitement that comes from living in the presence of God and what he is living in us we in him and as we are doing that we get this incredible enthusiasm that says I have the ability to worship and honor and glorify the living God the creator of this universe this living God the creator of the universe wants to have not just a relationship with me but he wants to have this this intimate this very intimate close relationship with me guys that should produce all kinds of excitement where we come together, when we come together even on the weekends and we encounter Him on a Sunday, we're coming together and we're saying, I am so excited to come and to be with other Christ followers, to come together and to lift Him up and to give Him glory and honor. For some, it can be a drudgery. It can be like, well, this is what I do. I do church. I go to church. That's not exciting. I don't know about you, but who wants to go to church? Now, 
if you want to talk about getting together and encouraging one another and saying, hey man, I'm praying for you. Or hey, how's it going, man? Can I celebrate with you? Or, you know, how can we, you know, is it what's going on in your life and you're just catching up and you're, you're, the body's coming together and they're encouraging one another and they're, you're rubbing off on each other and it's like it's exciting and you come in the presence of God together and you're worshiping God and you're giving Him honor and you're giving Him glory with other believers. That's exciting. That's entheos. Not, ah, I don't like this. I don't like the color of the carpet. I don't like the seats. I don't like the lights. I don't like the temperature. I don't like, you know what I mean? It's like, that's not entheos. And that doesn't produce any excitement whatsoever. So the question, you know, are we in Christ? Are we living, you know, are we expecting God? You know, we're in this, this intimate relationship so deep, so, so much that we're expecting God to use us and bless us because we've surrendered our hearts to him. That's exactly what he, he wants to do. So the question comes down to this. What are you believing God for? What are you expecting God to do in your life? As a graduate going out, as, as you answer these questions and you commit to these questions and say, you know what? I'm following after God. I want to see other things. I want to see other people that are not committing their life to Christ, not committing their life to this faith, this journey. But as for me, I'm going to commit my life. I choose to follow Him. I choose to... to, to um, to claim his promises. I choose to risk my life for him and I expect that God's going to bless me and use me in a way that's going to bring him glory. Is that what you believe God for? What are you expecting God to do? Just remember too, once we make this commitment, we're going to be criticized. We can count on it. Paul says this in closing. In 2 Corinthians 6, 8, we serve God whether people honor us or whether they despise us whether they slander us or they praise us. I love that determination, that commitment. Where Paul says, as far as my life's concerned, I'm in Theos. I'm in God. And whether, whatever God wants to do in and through me, that's what's going to happen. But I can tell you this, whether people slander me, whether people try to bring me down, whether people criticize me, whether people try to destroy me, whatever it is, we're going to, we're going to continue to serve God. I'm going to continue to serve God with my life. What? determination and passion that has. I pray that every single person a part of Element Church here that we would find that to be exciting. Say, you know what? That's the same type of determination that I'm going to have in God. And and today, guys, as we honor the students, as we are going to be praying for you and circling you, I pray that that's exactly going to be your heart. Where you're saying, my life is going to be committed to Jesus Christ. That's who I am and that's who I'm going to be. And I am going to, regardless of what happens, what it, regardless of the criticism that it brings, regardless of the persecution, I will be in Theos getting my enthusiasm and excitement from him. As we close, we're going to close with a word of song talking about at his name. Meaning that when we face, when we go out in our world with this excitement, this in Theos, and we've chosen, you know, we, we are committing our lives to what we talked about today, answering these questions. We're going to butt up against that kind of stuff. But in Jesus' name, the enemy flees. What power we have in it. So I pray that you would make this song your, uh, your prayer. So just engage in it as we close our time out with this last song. In your presence, we can honor you. We can lift you up. We can give you glory. And today, God, we acknowledge that by your great name that we have victory, that we have power, that our faith can grow in enormous ways by experiencing you, the, experiencing you and experiencing the claims 
that you um, that, that we read in, in the Word of God. And so today, God, I pray that uh, as we leave here, we would continue to think about these questions, asking ourselves wherever, you know, wherever we may be on our journey, that we would kind of take a spiritual uh, temperature uh, of where we're at. And God, I pray for the, for the graduates today as they embark in this new chapter within their life. God, I pray that they would be, uh, that they would be individuals that would claim you, that would, that would base their lives upon you, and that they would go into this world being a change agent and allowing you to do whatever it is that you want to do in and through them, bringing yourself glory and helping build your kingdom here on this earth. And we pray and ask all these things in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.